good afternoon and welcome to Power for the People here on WERU. Power for the People is a program designed to help Mainers understand and take control of their energy future, which includes, of course, the finances of your energy budget. I'm your host today, uh, Steve Collin. My distinguished guests today are Michael Stoddard and Tim Sample. Yes, Tim Sample, believe it or not, uh, broadly addressing the topic of electric vehicles. Uh, Michael Stoddard has a law degree from the University of Maine uh, School of Law and has served as Executive Director of Efficiency Maine Trust since its inception in 2010. Uh, hopefully you know because we have covered it numerous times uh, on this program. In fact, we probably mention Efficiency Maine in every program. Uh, Efficiency Maine is the agency that administers, administers incentives and rebate programs that promote energy efficiency, alternative energy resources, and, and of course, greenhouse gas reductions uh, here in Maine. And Michael's extensive background set him up nicely for this role at Efficiency Maine, uh, including being the co-author of the Acadia Center's 2006 Climate Change Roadmap for New England and Eastern Canada. Uh, good stuff and early in, uh, in our dis uh, collective discussions about these sorts of things. I should add that Michael has been a guest on this program before. So welcome, Michael. Uh, in addition, Efficiency Maine has teamed up with legendary Maine humorist, and the car enthusiast, he just uh, told me before the program that he is a car enthusiast, uh, Tim Sample. Uh, and so he is helping Efficiency Maine uh, drivers understand how electric vehicles work, uh, why more of these cars are hitting the road. They said that in a cross-country trip he did recently, he saw electric vehicles all over the place, and that certainly is good news. Uh, and therefore, why you should seriously consider buying an EV in your future. Tim is a native Mainer, well known for his humor albums under the Bert and I label, amongst uh, many other things. So welcome to you both. Uh, I hope that Tim is, uh, sorry that Michael is still here because he's just disappeared from my screen. Um, but uh, let's let's uh, get going. So welcome, gentlemen. Again, hoping that Michael is still here. Uh, anything like you'd like to add, Tim or Michael, to your introductions? No, I would just say that I'm very happy to be here. I've had a lot of fun working on this uh, project with Efficiency Maine over the course of the summer of uh, 2021. I, I learned a lot, and uh, I, I also had a chance to weigh in a little bit, as you mentioned, as a, as a lifelong car guy. I'm very, very interested in and enthusiastic about EVs. I think we're at a, a cultural inflection point that uh, has the potential to be a really uh, big benefit to uh, the planet and uh, and actually uh, have vehicles that are fun, uh, efficient, and uh, very suited to uh, a wide range of, of activities. That's really a lot of excitement going on right now in the EV field. That's right. Fun and efficient and uh, make a, a difference for the planet. We're going to address uh, all of those things probably if we have time, but uh, very, very well put. Uh, anything, you, anything you'd like to add uh, to your, the introduction or about Efficiency Maine before we uh, get into the meat of talking about electric vehicles, Michael? Uh, no, thanks. Uh, let's jump in. All right. Well, I will mention that uh, EV, I, I mentioned a few minutes ago that we talk regularly about Efficiency Maine in this program. We have also had a one or two programs focusing specifically on EVs, but of course the technology and the models continue to change. So, uh, but, uh, and I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago when we were talking in the, uh, the um, uh, on the air that uh, I uh, owned a, pl a plug-in Prius that I bought a number of years ago. And it's just, it is, it's just joyful uh, to, to drive them. I will say too, and this is something that 
efficiency main and Tim is helping out with, uh, you know, I talk about electric vehicles in a couple of my courses and the students invariably come into the course going, you know, electric vehicles are expensive. They take a long time to drive. They don't have good range. Uh, I doubt I'll ever own an electric vehicle. And by the time the class is over, they're saying, wow, I had no idea it was so inexpensive to own one. Uh, you know, there's there's no emissions, there's no tune-ups, there's no oil changes needed, uh, and uh, they get a lot more interested with facts. And so we will go there uh, in this in this conversation. So let's talk about, let's start perhaps by talking, to, and maybe this, Tim, falls right into your area about the, the number of EV models that are out there and what the plans in the auto industry are for electric vehicles going forward. Well, you know, as I alluded to a moment ago, part of what is exciting about the EV uh, world in 2021 and on from here is that at, at one point, most of the EVs were basically rebuilt, re-retrofitted versions of existing vehicles that had once had a, a gas powertrain. Now, more and more EVs are built on what they call a skateboard platform, which is the, the batteries are, are built into the chassis. Uh, and and, and it, it's like, if you think of it like a house, it's a foundation uh, that you can build any kind of house you want on. So you can have a sports car, you can have a luxury sedan. You could, Ford has brought out this uh, uh, F-150 Lightning, mm -hmm. which is, I mean, it's an amazing vehicle. Uh, it's a, to it's a, a battery electric vehicle. It's a totally EV, it's not a hybrid. And it does everything you'd expect a truck to do. It's very reasonably priced, especially when you factor in the, the uh, rebates, the tax rebates, and so forth. I mean, the average price of a vehicle, uh, a consumer vehicle, is around $35,000, $38,000. And that's right, it, even less than that with the rebates. But so you have a vehicle that you can use the way you use any pickup truck. And the a very and you can also have sports cars. You can also have SUVs. There are companies like Lucid and Rivian that people are not necessarily they're not household names yet, but they're coming out with high end luxury uh, four wheel drive things. The Hummer uh, is coming out with a fully electric Hummer. Yeah. So it used to be this the 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 sense that your students were coming into the class with that an EV was kind of like a penalty box. It was something you do. It's kind of like eating the organic version of your favorite food. And somehow tofurkey never really was the thing on Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And now what you're finding is these vehicles, I think one of the most sentient and most pertinent points, I talked to a lot of people who own EVs just out of curiosity, because that's how I am and that's what I do. And statistically, virtually everyone who makes the shift to EVs, talk to somebody. You see somebody getting into a Chevy Bolt. You can see somebody getting into a Tesla. Ask them how they like their car. They never are going back to gas cars. I talked to a couple about my age. I'm of an age. And they were uh, older folks and uh, live in my neighborhood in Portland. And they drove to Texas and back during the pandemic in their Tesla Model 3. I said, how'd it go? They said, fine. You know, there's a, so, so I guess what I'm saying is it's not, there's not this big penalty price you pay. The, the uh, ecological benefits are absolutely beyond reproach. I mean, it's a huge help that way. But most, the average, the average driver drives somewhere around 
40 miles a day, 30 some odd miles a day. The average car, most of the cars that I own have a range of, I don't know, three or 400 miles, maybe 250 or three. I mean, that's what, that's what you drive. We were filming up in Gardner, one of these spots about recharging at the Gardner Toll Plaza there, at the, you know, the uh, uh, stop near the mm. plaza. And there was a, there was a, a couple in a, in a Hyundai EV sedan, uh, Ionique, I think, that were from Canada, and a couple with a couple of kids. I think they had a cat with them. Anyway, they were driving from Canada to somewhere in the south of the U.S., and, and, and they were just stopping for a picnic while they were charging up. And, it, you know, you realize this isn't, you know, it's just a matter of getting used to a different paradigm. They were, they planned their trip. So every now and then, you know what, you stop. I just drove 4,200 miles around the country with a Karen Terrier and my wife. And you, what do you, you stop to eat, you stop to walk the dog, you stop for 15 or 20 minutes here and there. You just plan those stops so you top off your EV. No big whoop. It's not terribly inconvenient. What it's mostly about is, is the psychology of thinking. Like you don't get in your car. I don't get in my car and think, oh my gosh, I've only got 300 miles to go on this tank of gas. What mm. am I going to do? I think, oh, I'll have to top up and brewer and go on to here and whatever. And you learn to do that, I think, with EVs. And that, it was really fun driving. I drove the, the VW ID4 that we were using in the spots. I drove that up to Camden. I drove it down to uh, Freeport, up to Gardner, out to Westbrook, all around. And I was amazed. I mean, after a while, you know, you look at it. You said, it says you got, you start off in the morning, it says you have 235 miles to go. And then, the, I don't know, a few hours later, it says you 100, 190 miles to go. And you have, I don't know, it's not, I didn't, my pulse wasn't racing. <laughs> and we stopped at one point, we stopped to, to do the uh, uh, topping up. And we actually, we actually charged it up while we were having lunch. We, stopped, we took a break, the production crew, and we charged it up. So it's just a matter of changing your head. The technology is there. You got to get the psychology and you get over your irrational fear of it's like when people buy when the pandemic comes and everybody goes out and buys 50 bales of, of toilet paper. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I suppose there's a practical aspect, but it's pretty irrational. All right. Well, I mean, we did a electric vehicle drive in for Earth Day in 2019 at Thomas. And, uh, you know, all of the drivers, about a dozen drivers came and a couple hundred uh of the public came, but the drivers, it was the same message. Uh, and, you know, one of the messages that almost all of them drive it, uh, sorry, charge at home all yeah. the time. Uh, and uh, you can stop at a restaurant. I mean, restaurants, we need restaurants to have more charging station. They, that hasn't seemed to catch on yet. Uh, but the, that your example, Tim, is exactly right. Yeah. And Electrify America is cranking them out. As I said, I was driving across, I drove across Kansas. I drove across Arkansas. I drove, you know, and there's, there's charging stations. And, and this, is, this is part of why I call it an inflection point, the tipping point, is that we're on the cusp of a whole new way of thinking about the family car. And, you know, that ha has, that's a part of a long evolution. I mean, literally go back to, 
you know, Henry Ford, the assembly line and people saying, get a horse. What do you, you know, there, there, there was all kinds of reasons why people thought cars weren't practical, but they turned out to be practical. And this that learning curve is true. You know, another thing is the, the percentage of uh, energy that goes into the electric grid that comes from renewable resources is climbing. And that's mm. going to be another factor, but it isn't here. It's not... It's not 100% yet, but some states, Vermont, I think, is 100% of their, of their um, electricity is from renewable resources or something like that. You know, Maine, Maine is about 75%. Yeah, so it's changing. And, and what, you know, every, I understand that people wait to see, you know, how it's going to, you know, it's prudent to any new technology, any, uh, you know, major shift. But what I think people need to understand is a lot of this is already here and it's exciting and it's working. The other thing is, see, I'm a car guy. So one of the cars that I, my primary ride, the, the car I drive, my everyday driver, is a, is a Volvo sedan. It's a high-performance luxury sedan. It has a four-cylinder engine with a turbocharger and a supercharger. It goes very fast. It brakes and handles beautifully. It gets amazing gas mileage for a big luxury car over 30 miles to the gallon, but it has a lot of complexity uh, and it takes fossil fuels. There are numerous vehicles. For example, the the new Mustang Mach-E, my car goes zero to 60 in 5.5 seconds, which is fast. The Mach-E goes zero to 60 in 4.2 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's smooth. It's quite. I, I bought the Volvo partly because it's quiet. I don't like, you know, where I, where I lived for years in Washington County, our idea of high performance is take a big screwdriver and poke a hole in your muffler. That's the high performance sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in point of fact, these vehicles aren't just good for the planet, easier to live with because there are fewer repairs. They're actually very desirable vehicles for people like me who are car people. You know, they're roomy. That, as I said before, that that skateboard type platform means that you can you can design the ergonomics without having to take into account a big engine up front and a drivetrain through the middle and all this other kind of stuff. So you can have more legroom, more flexibility in how you uh, design the interior space and the packaging of the of the uh, um, luggage space is all very, these are things that are just plain good. You'd like to have it in a car. And that's mm-hmm. what I think is, that's why I call it an inflection point. It's not just something quirky on the periphery. It's like, I'd like to have this car, not necessarily just because it's an electric car and it's good for the planet. I'd like to have it because it's a great car and it's fun mm-hmm. to drive and it's efficient. Mm-hmm. And well, that. Michael, to his point that we need a new way of thinking, uh, the term range anxiety actually started in about the year the year 1900, uh, back when he mentioned when when people were buying gas cars. Which I thought you were going to say back when he got his first car, but uh, yes, exactly. That's right. <laughs> so so uh, so tell me uh, tell me how efficiency Maine is uh, is working to uh, so we 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 know there's a, a solar sorry we there's a a, a federal tax credit which. Uh, has some nuances to it that maybe you can address in terms of which ones are still eligible and that sort of thing. And then there's efficiency main rebates. Tell us how that's going to work towards getting people to change their perspectives. Well, there's there's two 
uh, key barriers to anytime uh, customers are contemplating new technology. One is that they just don't understand the new elements of the technology. And that's, uh, that, that happens to all of us. You know, you get a new computer, you get a new laptop, you get a new cell phone, and it's got new apps on it and new buttons, and you don't know what they do and how they work and how to, how to charge it up. So any of that informational learning uh, that has to happen so that people feel comfortable with the new technology. Those uh, those the, those are the subjects of um, campaigns that lots of folks are trying to uh, help customers with. So uh, that's why you see the manufacturers starting to put information out to help people understand these cars, and that's why uh, Efficiency Maine decided they wanted to do this um, this. Uh, set of videos with Tim uh, to just kind of make the information more accessible and make it feel like it's not so scary because it turns out when you really dig into it, it's not very scary. These cars are very easy to use. Uh, They perform, as Tim says, they perform uh, very similarly to what you're familiar with. So it's not a big, it's not a big uh, leap, Uh, but Still, people have lots of questions, and they're valid questions. And so, we want to help them understand what's it like to charge up at home. What's it like if you got to charge up out on the road when you're on a road trip? Uh, how do you pay for these charging things? And uh, so, so that's part of uh, how we overcome the first barrier about uh, helping people get familiar with the technology. The other typical barrier that we face is that this new technology often costs a little bit more upfront when you go to buy the new high efficient product. That's true for EVs, just like it was true for LED light bulbs, um, just like it's true for heat pumps. They cost a little bit more than the typical uh, kind of product that we're all accustomed to buying. And so in those situations, it's common to provide some kind of financial incentive that comes through government programs, typically. Uh, and that's what we're uh, offering at Efficiency Maine. We have a rebate. If you go to our website at efficiencymaine.com, you can find out all the rules about how the rebate applies, but it's really pretty simple. If you buy one of these cars Tim's been referring to that's all battery, 100% battery only, no gas engine, they're eligible for a $2,000 rebate. And if you get one that has a hybrid, that's a plug-in battery uh, uh, propulsion system, but also has a gas engine to complement it. So when you get through the first 40, 50 miles of of battery only, and you run out of battery, you can switch over to electric. And those have a range of three, 400 miles. Uh, The Pacifica actually, I think will go 500 miles. Uh, for those cars, you can get a $1,000 rebate. So there's a $2,000 rebate and a $1,000 rebate. Uh, and if you are um, a low-income customer that participates in the LIHEAP program for getting fuel assistance, uh, we have much bigger rebates. So for folks uh, in that category, if they go to the dealership and they uh, let the dealer know that they're in that income bracket, um, they can get pre-approval from us to get a higher incentive. And they're also eligible to use those incentives for used EVs. Uh, so that's limited to folks who are on those uh, in those low-income programs. But we're trying to make it accessible to everybody because as Tim says, this is where the whole thing is going. 10 years from now, most of the cars that the manufacturers are making 
and are offering for sale at the dealerships are going to be these EV models. And we are in this interesting period of this decade where we're just getting started now, really, in earnest, um, putting these cars on dealership lots and customers, making them affordable to, to, to folks uh, uh, out who are who are buying cars. So uh, that's the gist of our of our rebate program right now. You're right that there's additional financial incentives available from the feds. So if you buy uh, an EV right now, you can get a federal tax credit. It's uh, it is worth seventy five hundred dollars for certain brands. Uh, and the way they it, you you mentioned, there's some nuances to how this works, but. Um, for the Chevy Bolt and the Tesla, they've used up their whole uh, tax credit allotment. So they don't have any anymore. So for folks who want to buy that kind of car, there is not currently an additional federal tax credit. But for the Nissans and the Hyundais and uh, some of the other brands, they have not used up their allotment. And so you can still get $7,500 tax rebate. Uh, and if you lease your car, which is an excellent option, um, you even if you are low income or don't have a lot of uh, income to apply a tax credit against, the lease company can take advantage of the tax credit and they'll chop the amount off of uh, off of your total lease amount. So that's a pretty sweet deal. Anyway, those are some of the key financial incentives. And I guess I would also say uh, because this is a marathon, not a sprint, uh, and we know that the the transition, the conversion of Maine's entire vehicle fleet uh, is going to take more than a decade. Um, it's worth noting that a lot of this legislation you, you hear about on the evening news that's being discussed down in, in Washington, D.C., EVs is a, is a big deal in those discussions. So there's a lot of money in those infrastructure bills that would be used to help subsidize new charging stations, public charging stations. And there's also talk about extending those tax credits or even making them more like a rebate. So uh, the thing that we're offering at Efficiency Maine, you just sort of put that on steroids and it would be funded through the federal legislation. So uh, I think everyone should keep their eyes peeled because that could be coming soon. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. The list price you see on most EVs is not the price you're going to pay. So uh, that's important to know. And, and I might add, I mean, I guess your your rebates at Efficiency Maine don't cover used vehicles, but uh, students in my classes are surprised to learn, actually, this is information that I can't get verify is still true in this weird COVID uh, market that we have. But, uh, you know, a year or two ago, a used lead could be purchased for eight or $10,000. Yeah. So it's possible to get in um, at a cost less than you think. Quick question, uh, quick follow-up to Michael. Uh, what uh, tell me about the time frame or the expiration of efficiency main, uh, the efficiency main rebates? Right now, we know that we have enough funding for another one year of these rebates. So um, that's all I can say for sure at this time. If we if if things stay the same, we'll have used up most of the funding we have available for that by the end of one year from now. Uh, you know, twelve months from now. Uh, but there's a lot of discussions about other ways to continue that funding, and I'm hopeful that that'll work out. Right. And at this point, it's not taxpayer money. Do you want to mention how that uh, rebates, those rebates are being funded? Yeah, you're right. Um, we're, we're very lucky that um, just with the timing, uh, there, was, um, there was a lawsuit filed against Volkswagen uh, several years ago. 
Um, and I won't go into the details of, of what the origins of that were, but suffice it to say, they paid a huge penalty <laughs> financially. And when they did that, um, the both the federal government and the state government said to themselves, well, what should we do with all this money that these guys are paying as a penalty? And the first thing they decided to do was to make some of it available to pay for EV chargers, public EV chargers. And then in our state, um, the then attorney general said, well, I think maybe we should use it to run a, a rebate program for EVs. And uh, that attorney general then subsequently became our governor. And uh, so she has been a great champion as well for uh, directing those funds to uh, be used for promoting the, this new technology. So, um, but to your point, not a penny of taxpayer dollars have been involved so far. It all came out of these penalties. Um, and then uh, subsequent to that, um, there, you, you will have heard of a big proposed transmission line coming into our state. Uh, and it, that uh, proposal had to jump through many hoops and get many permits. One of the permits it had to get was at the Public Utilities Commission. Uh, and part of the calculus there is whether the proposed project will have benefits for the people of Maine. Um, and in the settlement of that, which is a, a, nobody's in trouble, there's this is a common way that these uh, proposals get resolved and decided if it, if it checks all the boxes, um, there are sometimes settlements uh, and it, those can include funds that are uh, made available to help low-income customers or to help other uh, causes that are, that are priorities for the parties that are, that are involved in the, in the proceeding. Um, our organization was not a party in that proceeding, but they knew that we had this EV rebate program going on and they said, hey, that would be a good idea. Let's put some funds into that EV rebate program so it can continue. So 5 million of the dollars that we're using this year are from the settlement of the NECEC transmission line, the, the Clean Energy mm. Connect line. You're using those dollars already? Yes, we are. Really? Okay, I wasn't aware of that. So, so Tim, back to uh, back to the issue of, of models. Uh, and again, I don't want to put you on the spot, depending on uh, how much you're paying attention to these things. But I think a lot of people think that there's only a few models out there. Um, oh my gosh, no! There's just the, the proliferation. I mean, Mary Barra at GM has has made. Uh, you know, commitments to have the entire GM production uh, in EVs in a relatively short period of time. As I say, we have, you know, uh, virtually every new platform coming out uh, has uh, has an EV uh, option. I'm, like I say, everything from big off-road things like an electric Hummer to everyday pickup trucks to sports cars to SUVs, uh, sedans, uh, luxury sedans, everyday sedans. Hyundai is doing great stuff with the uh, Kia. Hyundai is kind of, you know, a, a very aggressive player in this market. And these are big companies with big stakes in what happens in the automotive landscape and the fact that they are all on board and aggressively on board with this that's why i call it an inflection point this isn't going away there's nothing about this that's peripheral it's the the peripheral thing is the 
the internal combustion engine. And I, I just want to, you know, when Michael was talking about rebates and sort of initial cost of ownership, it, it is well worth noting that the overall cost of ownership of EVs down the road is also significantly less. A lot of times, I'm because I'm a car guy, I'm the guy, I literally for the last 15 years have had Tim Sample's car questionnaire. Please don't ask me for this, but my friends and family members will say, they'll say, um, hey, what kind of car should I get? And I've worked out over the years this little questionnaire and it has like on a scale of one to five, how important is, and it's stuff like gas mileage, uh, all-wheel capability in bad weather, uh, you know, like this. And then I recommend something to them, and I, I talk about it. And one of the things that people underestimate oftentimes, I think, well, this is what my car payment is. This is what it cost me to buy the car. But they don't take into account that they've got to have regular oil changes. They've got to have the air filters and the fuel filters. And these other maintenance items add up over the course of a year. And one of the things that I tell people, people have over time said to me, I can't afford a new car. And I have a little exercise I have them go through. I said, take your use Subaru with 285,000 miles on it, go back over the bills you paid on that car in the course of the last two years. They say, I love my Subaru. I, I said, how many clutches have you put in it? Well, six, how many, you know, how many new batteries, how many? So what people often underestimate is the cost of ownership down the line. This is where EVs have a lot, literally fewer moving parts and replaceable parts and like that. And, it's very clear that the battery technology and the manufacturing, it's worth noting that manufacturing technology today is light years ahead of what it was when I, my first car was a 1956 Chevrolet Bel Air sports sedan. And you could open the hood and look down and see the ground through the thing. You say, there's the carburetor, there's the air cleaner. And modern cars, you flip it open, there's a big plastic thing. Nobody knows what's under there. But hmm. the point is, these are vehicles that meet the demands of modern driving in a way that uh, the older uh, designs of, uh, of, of internal combustion engine-based stuff, they were fine for where they are. But it's like, you know, I have this 1986 Mercedes that is our little two-seat sports car, 560 SL. And believe me, it's fun to drive. But you get in, and it's an old car. It's an old car. The steering isn't as precise. The brakes aren't as precise. Because technology has moved forward in those years. And these new cars, that, that uh, VW ID4, and I'm very familiar with the, with the uh, uh, litigation and the payout and the fact that VW is underwriting some of these electric stuff. That's an interesting story in and of itself. But the ID4 that I was driving uh, the VW ID4. It's a lovely, quiet, beautifully built, smooth, and, you know, 250, 240 uh, mile range. And as was alluded to earlier, this idea of charging up, you know, you don't have a gas pump in your garage, okay? So how many times have you come home, you know, you think you're late coming in from somewhere and you think, oh, I should probably top up the gas, but I won't. And you get up in the morning and you get ready to go to work and it's running on fumes and you have to stop and get the gas it up in the morning. You know, think about if you just charge the thing up, 
how many days on average are you actually going to drive 250 or 300 miles? You'll have those days, but for most folks, it's not an everyday thing. So that just is a different mindset if you really think about it. And I don't know, but I like quiet. I like a quiet vehicle. I like a, a nice, the, the, uh, the, the EV I was driving has a nice stereo and the wind noise is minimal and there just isn't the engine noise. Engine noise is kind of an interesting thing. It's like, it's like when you walk in, when I go to speak at after dinner speaking at function rooms and hotels, I always go ahead of time. And oftentimes I'll walk in the room and there's a fan going and the fan's been going all day long and nobody even remembers that the fan is going because it's been going. But I'm going to be speaking to a group of people. So I'll say to the housekeeping people, can you turn the fan off? And they say, I suppose we could. Hold on. They turn off. It's like, wow, you can hear all kinds of stuff. That's a little bit like driving an EV. You know, you're, it's like, why does this feel so quiet and comfortable? Because it, it doesn't have an internal engine churning along under the hood. And to your point about cost, uh, with that electric vehicle driving that we did at Thomas, there was a Tesla driver there uh, with 80,000 miles on his Tesla. He'd just driven across country and, you know, it wasn't a problem. Uh, with 80,000 mile Tesla, he said he'd put a set of tires on the car and a, a set of windshield wipers. Yeah. That that's all, that all he paid. There would have been no other costs. Yeah. And right. people just forget, you know, you do these little things, you do the oil changes and you do the fuel filter changes and the fan belts and the other things. And you don't really, it's like, oh yeah, 50 bucks here and a hundred bucks there. And, but it adds up. And if you don't do those things, which some people don't, if you wait until it breaks, then you have other problems and other costs that are associated with that. So it's a simpler, more straightforward way of of motivating a vehicle. Right. So, so uh, Michael, tell us about. I mean, in the concept of range anxiety, how many uh, how many charges are there in, in the state of Maine at this point? Uh, the publicly available chargers. There are now more than five hundred plugs that are publicly available. That does not account for all the ones that people may have put at their home or at their business that they just use for their own private use. Um, so. That's a really encouraging number, and I'm quite confident that that's going to double in the next year or two, thanks to these programs that you're hearing about, uh, the continuation of um, the, the build-out by Electrify America and the, some of the um, ways that Governor Mills has chosen to allocate more funds that we're getting, public funds that we're getting. So uh, Efficiency Maine will be putting some more in. One of the shortcomings, one of, one of the sh gaps that we have right now that we've identified is in the northern part of the state. Really, once you get north of Augusta, there are not a lot of uh, the high-speed fast chargers along the highway. And we, this, just this calendar year, we had a competitive solicitation and we, we solicited bids from anybody that wanted to host and help pay for one of these high speed chargers. And we awarded just about $2 million uh, to seven projects. And this was, this is going to help, this money is going to help them uh, operate for um, more than five years. And these will be in, in the seg section of the state that goes north of Augusta. So there's one over in Lewiston-Auburn, but then north of that, there's going to be Fairfield, uh, Pittsfield, I'm sorry, not Pittsfield, Newport, Bangor, 
and Ellsworth, and then over in Belfast. So kind of north and over to the coast on along Route 1. So that's a, a, going to be a big improvement for a lot of the day trips that people would take, whether it's up to the ski hills or up towards, you know, going towards Baxter or going up towards Acadia, um, the kind of distances that people are traveling either for business or for pleasure um, that would be one of those longer trips. And so once we have that core network in place, which I think we will in the next 12 months, then those longer trips just shouldn't give you any cause for concern at all. The next phase we're going to do after that, which will be in the following, uh, which I think we'll do a competitive bid for this calendar, this, this coming year in the next 12 months, and then hopefully build out shortly after that, we'll be up into the county, up through Washington County and up through Aroostook County uh, to get over to the border with New Brunswick. And once we have that, we really will be able to go top to bottom, side to side in this state um, any day of the week and not have to worry about where you're going to recharge if you're on a long trip. But the most important thing I want to point out is that that will only be a concern uh, even a little twinkle in your eye, if you think you're going to drive all that way in one day. Yeah. And that's a road trip, you know, yeah. because every other day of the week and 360 days of the time, you're not going to go more than the 200, 240 miles that all these new cars come with uh, for a charger. And you are going to wake up in the morning and you're going to have plugged in your EV just like you plug in your cell phone every night before you go to bed. And when you wake up, you're going to have a full tank. Yeah, so and I, I want to jump game in. changer. I want to jump in and say, you know, it was really interesting to speak with that family coming down from from uh, Canada when they were when we were filming in Gardner. And they were just charging up their EV. And what they had done, this is, was really uh, an awakening for me. It was just a different approach to fueling. So let's say you're fueling your, uh, you're, you're fueling your traditional gas car. You jump in, somebody runs into the restaurant, somebody buys a bag of Cheetos and a soda, and you fill up your tank and you go on your way. They were doing the same thing, but on a, on a little more mellow basis. They had apps. They figured out what they were going to do. And they planned, like I said, when we were traveling across country. We had our dog with us. We would plan periodically to stop, have a rest stop, walk the dog, look at a scenic overlook, do like that. That's really what, that's all we're talking about here. We're not talking about, you know, some New Yorker cartoon where you're out in the desert with, you know, with no power. We're really talking about how do you plan your day? And frankly, as a humorist, I have to say, the ability to take yourself just a little less seriously. You know, you're not on a mission from God here to get to point A to point B most of the time. That may, as Michael said, that may happen. But can you look at this in a point of, from a point of view? If you can get pretty much wherever you need to go, it, the minimum of hassle, you just have to be aware of what your, what your parameters are. How are you going to, you know, before the car, people had to figure out how to get the horse rested and, you know, put them in a barn or whatever. It's just another medium of transportation. And I see people having fun and, and, and even taking a little more time for the break. So instead of five minutes to fill up the tank, maybe it's 25 minutes to top off the EV, have a sandwich, take a walk, and you're on off on the road again. I think that's really a legitimate 
uh, way of sort of address perspective that addresses the anxiety, which is really kind of smoke and mirrors. It's, it's not, a, as Michael alluded to, unless in very rare instances where you're going to be driving six or 700 miles a day, you have to pay a little more attention. But there's apps now, all these apps that tell you where are the chargers, whether they're being used, what kind of charges they are, all this kind of stuff. And we know from the digital landscape that we live in, that's just going to improve. There's going to, there's right. going to be more stuff. Right. Michael, go ahead. Yeah, I want to jump in. Um, Tim's comments reminded me uh, that that uh, of why we did these videos. And I just want to reiterate to your listeners, what we're talking about, uh, what's, what's prompted us to have this conversation today is that Efficiency Maine has partnered up with Tim Sample to produce um, six or eight videos, short videos, they're two or three minutes long, and they just provide basic information about how EVs work, what, what's nice about them, uh, what are some of the quirks about them, but mostly how do you, how do you use them? And, uh, and, and our real objective there is to get people more comfortable with them. I think there's, I have a, a bit of a, a, a concern that uh, in the, in you know, in the discussion around EVs, there's kind of this us and them, uh, this uh, mentality that some people would like to say exists. You know, there's some people who think this is really important and we got to do it and everyone's going to switch to EVs. And there's other people that are thinking, no way, you're not going to make me buy one of those things. I, it'll never work for me. It doesn't work in my in my life. And I I think we don't need to, people don't need to feel like they're being forced to do this. Oh. They don't need to, there's, you know, we, we have urgency that we need to move towards EVs. And I think the manufacturers are making it clear that that's where they think this is going. But uh, we wanted people to see that they're pretty, or in a way they're, they're extraordinary technology, but they're also kind of ordinary. They look the same, they work the same, they will do almost all the same things for you. And I think with a little bit of time and people, watching our good friend uh tim sample go through the put these vehicles through the paces they'll start to see that these are um th these are not scary and they're not that different and there isn't really an us and a them but i i also want people to be aware that it's not just a one size fits all they're not just these tiny little sedans and uh that 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 people might have as a caricature in their mind you know if you think that you have something in your personal life or something in your professional life where you need a car that isn't a good fit for what these EVs are then don't get one right. get get one of these other ones get you know they make these plugins that we talked about the plug-in hybrids like a lot of people have an SUV in Maine one of the more popular SUVs in Maine is the Toyota RAV4 right? Really popular car. Um, they make one of those that's in a plug-in hybrid too. You can go 45 miles, 42 miles on just electric. And for most Mainers, if you're just driving around town to go to work and come home from work or go to the grocery store, go to the movies, go to a restaurant, that you're gonna, that's going to be enough range for you every day of the week, except for maybe on the weekend when you want to take a longer trip. And on that day, you switch over to the gas part of the car and, and drive as far as you want, just like your regular cars. So if you don't think an EV, an all electric EV is going to be the right thing for you, don't get one. Get one of these other things. You well, should and know also, that that's an option. And I think we were talking before the show, 
The other thing is a lot of Mainers uh, are in a, at least a two-car family. Uh, my family's a two-car family. So if you think that you're occasionally going to want to take long road trips like Tim just took, um, that's fine. Maybe maybe one of your cars can be an EV and the other one isn't, uh, at least for the next 10 years. And and that's that's going to be a great solution for you. So I think people should feel comfortable to do what works for their family and what works for their business. Uh, and, and I think what's fun is that they're making so many different varieties of these cars that there's going to be something for everybody. And I just want to say the that the uh, Ford Lightning pickup truck. I mean, you talk about a main vehicle, the you know, the pickup truck, the half ton or three quarter ton pickup truck is a staple uh, on main roads. These go; they have all wheel drive. They they can go up to three hundred uh, miles on a single charge. Most folks are, you know, they're taking their truck, their work trucks, but 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 the uh, the Ford Lightning. Uh, has a generator, electric generator. You can run your house off it for like mm-hmm. three days. I mean, that's just, that's not boutique. That's not precious. That's practical. You know, you can use it at the work site. You can do all the stuff with, you can tow your boat to the lake with it and everything else. But that's to me, what I would do want to say to people, if you haven't seen these spots that we filmed last summer, you should go see them because it, it, it unusual for me, I, I played a character in these. I, I sort of, it's sort of thinly disguised. It's me, sort of, but I play the old dad. Now, I have a 40-year-old daughter in real life uh, who, and so I love the dynamic between generations where I say, why doesn't this phone do this? How come those things are jiggling around on there? And my daughter says, no, dad, if you push the thing, then it doesn't jiggle around anymore. Or you can do that. So we, we, uh, in writing and producing these spots, I become, I mean, I don't like act like an idiot, but I am kind of like myself. I'm of a certain generation. The younger daughter in the, in the piece who only appears as a voice on my cell phone, but I'm really, and she enables me to walk through. I put forth the kind of questions that the average person would wonder about about how you, you know, how do you charge them? How long does it take? What is this? What is that? So it was really fun because it's a playful and, and kind of silly in some ways, as I joke, is that the 25 pounds I gained during the pandemic looked great on me being the old dad. Uh, you know, I, I, I fit into the profile of the old dad quite literally. But we had a lot of fun being sort of playful about, you know, to me, the human condition is the essence of, of, of what my humor is all about. I'm always trying to find something, not us and them, not like, oh, these people are idiots and we're great. But can you see yourself in the picture? Can you take yourself a little less seriously? Can you sort of understand that life is changing? The times are changing. Sometimes we're all like an old fuddy-duddy. But I think if you watch the ads, you'll see how that plays. And it played out really good. All right. So just a reminder to everybody, we're listening, you're listening to Power for the People here on WERU-FM. And uh, my guests uh, today are uh, Michael Stoddard, the Executive Director of Efficiency Maine, and Tim Sample, who is working with Efficiency Maine uh, to uh, plug electric vehicles, uh, pun intended, I guess there. Uh, and so I do want to pick up, uh, because I think it is such an important feature, coming feature of, of electric vehicles, and what you just said, Tim, that the Ford Lightning can power your home. 
Uh, I mean, this is the state of Maine where you need multiple ways to heat your home or power your home because of power bridges. In fact, that capacity has actually been even in Priuses in Japan for a decade. Uh, and I, I hope and hope I can predict that uh, that, that technology, uh, you know, the, the vehicle to home technology, uh, which is what it's called, is coming hopefully for all electric vehicles sometime soon. And that's going to make it even more appealing for, for uh, the state of for Mainers. And that's pragmatic. Mainers, that's right. beyond anything else, uh, Mainers, they don't care that much about your religion or your, they want to know, do you have jumper cables and will you stop? They want to know, how do I get from point A to point B? And that these, these are pragmatic, practical uh, devices that, you know, and, and as Michael said, if it doesn't work for you, I mean, I don't know. I have nothing against tofu, but I don't need it. That's not my taste. But the point is, these are vehicles with real practical, pragmatic reasons for ownership that go beyond the simple, oh, it's the new thing. Let's try it. They, they work in the real world in a very interesting and pragmatic way that's worth looking at worth considering and that's why you know i'm like i say i'm renovating we're renovating our home in in portland uh and when we return in the spring i'm very much on my punch list is we're going to put in a a charger and uh, i'll be getting an ev because it makes tremendous sense Right. And, and they're not just a boutique thing, as you both have said yeah. uh, a couple of times, probably, because if you look at the car manufacturers, most of them have said they're going to go to 100 percent EVs in the 2030, 2035 time frame. So uh, they're, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's a new thing coming. No question about it. One, one question that I'm sure people have uh, is uh, about the types of EV charging stations that are out there. Uh, and, and part of that is Teslas are different from other brands. Uh, so maybe uh, one or both of you could comment on that and then also talk about when do you have to pay for electricity and when do you not and how? Well, the first thing uh, I would advise folks to do who who want more information on this question is go to the website, efficiencymain.com backslash EV, and you'll find Tim's videos there. And you'll find some other brochures and information that the staff at Efficiency Maine is putting up there and updating all the time to answer exactly these kinds of questions. You'll find maps of where, uh, searchable maps of where all the public EV chargers are in Maine. But one of the things Tim talks about in one of these video episodes is the different kinds of chargers. And you have the level two chargers, which are the kind you see around town at uh, City Hall or in a parking lot by the restaurant. And those will add 10 to 20 miles in an hour of charge. So if you're going to go do some grocery shopping or go uh, go have breakfast at a diner and you plug in for an hour, you'll get 10 to 20 miles per hour uh, charged up. If you're on the highway going down, uh, you know, going uh, up I-95 and you got another couple hundred miles you got to go and you going to stop to uh, go into the uh, Turnpike Plaza, you know, you want to charge up a lot faster than that. And those are level three chargers also called the DC fast charger, high speed chargers. Those will go much, much faster. They'll add about, uh, I think, 40 to 20 to 40 miles every 10 to 15 minutes that you're charged in. Um, They have different kinds of plugs. And this is a somewhat maddening 
um, reality of these early days of the in, uh, of of electric vehicles. It reminds me of the old debate between VHS and Betamax, if you remember yep. that. Um, so they're just these different configurations, and uh, unfortunately, not the cars are sort of have their own proprietary plug shape. So Tesla has their own proprietary plug shape and the, and the, the brains of the charging will only work on a Tesla car right now. So the, the Tesla chargers will only work on Tesla cars. They have committed as a company that sometime in the very near future, they are going to uh, reprogram them so that any type of car can use those Tesla superchargers. And you see these big banks of them uh, at grocery stores and along the highway. And so that will open up the Tesla chargers to everyone else. The the kinds of uh, chargers that Efficiency Maine has been putting in with these public dollars is um, these two other uh, configurations of the plugs. One is called CCS which is used on most American cars and European made cars and the other is called Chatamo. And that is what most of the Asian manufacturers use like Nissan makes the Nissan Leaf. Uh, they also now have helpfully made these adapters. So you can buy an adapter and carry it around in the trunk of your car. And if you get to a place where they only have the other kind of plug, you can, you can put your adapter on and use it. It doesn't work in all situations. So that's a little frustrating and you do have to keep your eyes peeled. But everything seem, does seem to be converging. And I think in the next couple of years, they'll all be down to just one and then they'll all be uniform. So we're, and- we're getting there, but it's a little clunky right now. And this is part of what we, when I mentioned the inflection point, part of this is driven by consumer demand in the same way that, you know, proprietary technology from a company like Apple or, you know, there's a a different, it's perfectly normal and healthy and appropriate for people to, it, it is like VHS and beta. They throw things out there and they see what becomes the dominant technology. And if it, and if people want it, it gets sorted out. And that that has always been the case and will always be the case. And it takes a little, there's a learning curve. It's just like, like I say, with, with internal combustion vehicles, you got to figure out, do you have a vehicle that needs high test gasoline? Will it run okay on regular? What, how do you rotate the tires on an all-wheel drive car versus a front-wheel drive car or real-wheel drive? Th- these are issues you have to sort out, and, and they will get sorted out and are being sorted out. But I, and I just want to clarify that this little issue that Tim and I are talking about, it only applies to the high-speed chargers that you would find out on the highway. This is nothing to do with what you would put in your garage at home or that you find on these level two chargers. So you can actually charge up your car with a level one charger with just 110, 120 volts. Um, you gotta have the right plug and the right outlet to that plug. But the for all the home chargers, they're either um, 110 or uh, 240 volts. Um, you know, that's what I have in my house. So you just need to buy the right kind of plug. This is not expensive. You, you just need to, I said plug, I meant outlet. You just need to bring, 240 volts uh, to the outside of your house or to a post or to the inside of your garage. And, um, you know, anyone from there, all these cars now are being sold with the appropriate plug uh, to attach to your car. So you just need to find an outlet that's got 
um, you know, any exterior outlet is either one, one, uh, 110, 120 or uh, 220, 240. And if you go to the efficiency main website and you look at, at, at the spots I did, I made hanging up the charger cord look really easy, but it took 45 takes because I'm so clumsy. I kept <laughs> stumbling over take two, take three. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, you can charge uh, charge overnight, and that uh, is going to work for 99% of the people. So we're down to uh, a minute or, or two. Um, but uh, one question that I know people has come up with with other programs is, how do you stay warm in an EV in the wintertime in Maine? Is anybody, no. short, anybody got a short answer on that one? Because we're close to the end you here. Crank up the heat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, but, where, but, but where do you get it from? There's no internal combustion engine. They well, they have. Uh, th that's like asking how do you cook on an electric range. Yeah, exactly. The same way they make elect uh, electric resistance. All the seats come with heaters in them, um, or you can. Uh, they have little miniature heat pumps inside of them. Believe it or not, so they blow the air out that way. It's more efficient than trying to drag peripheral heat off an engine and waiting when you have to wait for the engine to warm up. The heat doesn't come till your internal combustion engine warms up. If you right. turn on your an electric heater, the heat's there as soon as you turn it on. Right, exactly right. Thank you for those answers. And and of course, the other one other possibility is there's a heated steering wheel as well. So yep. uh, the heat pump technology is the perfect example, and and I think that's a that's a great thing to uh, to end on. So we are out of time. Again, I want to thank. Michael Stoddard, the director of Efficiency Maine, and Tim Sample, who is helping Efficiency Maine uh, with their marketing for electric vehicles for being our, our guest today. Um, my name is Steve Kahl, uh, host out here of Power for the People. And so tune in next time when we continue to talk about energy issues for the state of Maine. Thanks again, gentlemen. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for having thanks, us, Steve. Michael, I have to head out because I've got another commitment, but thanks for having me on.